0: So uh, wait, wait. Do we? Do you have like? Is there like an intro for no, this? No, no,
1: no. I put that all in in
0: in later in post. I put it in in post. You can add things in post. I was I was really excited. I thought that there was like a little booth that you guys all crammed into, and then somebody played the intro music. And I'm, yeah, we I'm, do.
1: We we play it on the skin flute. I'm so I'm so very disillusioned now. Balinky plays it on my skin flute. In the only. Flute.
0: I mean, we just cram into the I, booth I, because I, it. I, I did notice that it was very awkwardly played, but had very low tones, so I guess it was Blinky playing. Uh, there's a lot of... <laughs> there's a lot of... Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Oh, I know how to, know how to play this. Hold on. Hold
1: I on. think we can say anything we want to about those guys tonight. Well, all right. If you haven't guessed it yet, you are listening to the Overthinking It podcast, returning from a long hiatus with Far our-, too long. our newest writer... David Sheckner, David Michael Sheckner.
0: What's up, sister girlfriend?
1: How you doing?
0: Mm -mm. Uh, I'm I'm
1: full of sass tonight. And everyone else uh, crapped out of this podcast, so it's just you and me, Dave,
0: but that actually may be... I heard there was like a big uh, trepanation festival, (laughs) and they were all... They're like, I know what. I really want to drill a hole in my skull for Jesus.
1: You know, I, I'll point out, I knew the meaning of trepanation before I read <laughs> Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials. Holy where sh- that's... <laughs> where drilling, like, re- drilling holes in your head is actually like a
0: plot point in this children's book. I was reminded of it because I'm reading said book right now. Are you? And is it you not know, awesome? It, it kind of rocks. I feel like there's a lot to be – I feel like – People have probably touched greatly upon the whole comparing this to to J.K. Rowling and C.S. Lewis, but I still feel like there's probably a lot to be garnered from well, that. Well,
1: it blows it away. Have you read it all the way through before?
0: No, no, I'm, I'm about two thirds the way through the first one. As
1: far as the Harry Potter books, I mean, the Harry Potter books are, they're I think they're an incredible achievement, and I am a literary snob, but and I yeah, think yeah. they're I think they're damn good books, and I bought every one, you know. Um, Right when it came out, as soon as I, I – I, I guess I jumped on the train around the time of the fourth book. Right. And so four, five, six, and seven, I bought right when they, right when they came out. So completely, like,
0: you, you saw the first movie and were like, oh, yeah, I should read these books.
1: No, you know, the movies hadn't been made
0: yet. Was that right? Because I thought book four and movie one came out at about the same time.
1: Movie one came out after book four. But they- yeah, but the um, – uh, right, the thing was I was actually in England – and it was uh, you know as much as it was this crazy phenomenon that just increased every second in the states in England, it was pandemonium like almost oh, from yeah yeah almost from the first, and so I bought them all uh I bought them all three paperbacks of the first three, and then the the fourth, which was only in hardcover at that point at uh at an English bookstore for like Ten pounds, or right. something like that, and they were and they were ten pounds, Which is and yeah, I roughly like
0: a pound per pound actually.
1: and I lugged them on my like cross country European jaunt that <laughs> summer. They took up fully you know thirty percent of my backpack. I the, remember
0: when you returned back to the states, you had a notable hunch right <laughs> it 's like oh wow that 's at a right angle now he awesome. thought oh he 's been to europe he 's got the hunch. <laughs> Yeah, maybe that's the latest thing in like Prague. It's like you're you're not you're definitely not gonna see anyone yeah, naked. Yeah, do the hunch,
1: do the hunch got, now, do the hunch. hunch. Um, yeah, when we
0: when this site blows up, when this is like the biggest thing, people will actually start growing fake hunchbacks. Do the, the
1: hunch. But you know, and I think they're you know I'm a snob, but I think those books are great. I think that that whole world is so, so. Vividly imagined and there's so much detail And you get to know the people and the people Are sort of well imagined and they You know they have quirks and you get to know The quirks and things
0: like that and they, you know it's all good But um I, I think my Initial response to them was uh, was Kind of negative but it was mostly because I was dating a girl who I was kind of negative To at the time and she was very positive About them oh yeah but but I Guess my initial my initial Source of negativity about them still kind of holds Is that like it is a very fanciful imagination Of the world but it's not It's not on the level that, like, say, like, great science fiction writers can, where they truly picture something totally different from the way the world works, and they they bring that into creation. Like, the J.K. Rowling formula is to, like, reimagine something that exists in your world, but, like, how – you know, have, have, like, a wizard come by and, like, spray paint his name on the side of it. You know, it's it's not – it's not – like Jules Verne picturing the fax machine, you know, 150 years before it happens. It's just like, it's a new version of a car. Oh, we've got this car, but it's a wizard car now.
1: But his I dark, his dark materials. I think, I, I mean, I think just as a piece of writing, it blows it out of the water, right? Yeah, yeah. No,
0: I, I totally agree. Because uh, just it's the level this, of character uh, depth,
1: right? the The characters are so good; they're as good, if not better, as any of the any of the characters in Harry Potter. But just the literary qualities of the book are, you know, are better. Like on the average, pa- I think Her- Harold Bloom, uh, Papa Bear, <laughs> <laughs> he he once wrote a um, an op ed for the Wall Street Journal that the headline of which was, "Can 35 million readers be wrong? Yes." <laughs> <laughs> And you know he really he really sort of took the the machete to the Harry Potter
0: phenomenon, and well, he, he, um, he he published a collection of of poems and short stories that was very much a response to the Harry Potter phenomenon, right? Right,
1: exactly. Yeah, it's the it's it was a the, 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 children's the, children's literature.
0: Yeah, it was nothing that he had written, but it was like something and something for exceptional children of all ages. It was an antholo-
1: Yeah, it was an anthology of like yeah,
0: yeah. you know. Oh, there's some I don't manthology know what. Any, you what know anyone
1: <laughs> manthology and actually man-thology. yeah in new york there's the manthology film archives it's the famous <laughs> it's the famous
0: porn house um That's right. everything is by shakespeare balzac or dickens in that place everything
1: so, you know, yeah, no, I think they're, I think, I think those books are great. It was like when I got to the end, I, I felt like, you know, I'd, I'd been in the sauna having a schwitz for, you know, a week, right? Like I <laughs> uh, was just, Bobby. I was just. I-, I love just... it when you speak Yiddish, Bubby.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, look at my goyashopunam, you know? Ugh! But you give me such nachas, you know? I, I give you nach. Look at you, you're felling. I I am Kevon. Well, so uh, maybe it's good not to have these other people around because we get to introduce uh, we get to introduce Dave to the readers of the blog and yeah. to the listeners of the podcast. I hey, think, readers and listeners! I think our last episode was downloaded five times.
0: I think uh, one of those might be me at home and, and another me
1: at work. Right, exactly. Um, right, and then there was my test download just to make
0: sure that it works. Cool. All right. You know. So, um, well, I, done... I will, I will download this podcast as well because I, I love hearing myself talk. <laughs> and the sound
1: quality is so good on your Skype headset. Yeah, baby. Thank you, Radio Shack. I love Skype. I wish I could do commercials. I wish Skype would sponsor the podcast. And
0: this is, I... you know, it's, I mean, I don't want to verge on too many tangents, but, uh, but the whole, like, no, business no, side of Skype why would is awesome. Also... Why
1: would we want to <laughs> do
0: that? Well, it's kind of in the news lately because, uh, you know, eBay owns Skype. Yeah, they bought it. Yeah. Yeah. And they have no idea what to do with it. They've been effectively losing money on it for about a year and a half now. And there, there's talk about what just like cutting it loose and letting somebody else buy it out. Google should buy Skype, which is actually what what certainly what Morgan Webb of Web Alert is saying. Um, and that's what I gather she's saying. I mostly turn the sound off and make awkward gestures towards her face. But that's probably more personal information than we need for this this podcast. But but no one here knows who Morgan Webb is anyway, so they're all going to go Wikipedia her and then think that I'm weird. Anyway. Yeah, no, I love Skype too, and I wish uh, – actually, maybe maybe I want Google to buy it. Maybe I want eBay to fuck it up. Is the
1: idea of having, um, having a podcast fundamentally unsound? Do normal – I mean I listen to podcasts, <laughs> but I am uh... –
0: are, are you trying to figure out what the ethos of a podcast no, is? No, I it's...
1: I know what the I I listen to many podcasts and I really I really like it and I like it as a I like the do it yourself media for portable devices yeah, concept yeah. fundamentally. I I mean I think that's great and I you know but I'm a nerd you know and I right, you right. know like I'm responsible for the back end of the overthinking it website and the you know. Uh, I yeah, do and, well, web stuff. and all
0: the Chewbacca slash fiction that right. appears on the site.
1: Exactly, I do. Right, I actually I draw those cartoons of you know <laughs> Bart, Jackhammer, and Lisa in the doo doo hole. Right, like
0: that's <laughs> you, you know. You know what's sad is I've actually seen those. Oh, I know exactly no. what you're talking. about. I know.
1: I have also actually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we were looking for a new banner for the site. I think there we go. <laughs>
1: That actually, yeah, but I think it should be like inter-series. If we were if we're looking for a logo, well, we'll put this out to the to the one legitimate listener who actually listens to this. If you can suggest a dirty cartoon matchup that you'd like to see as the logo for overthinkingit.com, dot com, let me put it this way: we won't
0: not do it. That's right. It, it will not not be done. I will. Uh, I, I will break out my little drawing tablet and produce some rendering of that. Right. The more the more obscure, the better too. If you can go like, uh, punch and the yellow kid, um, then that would be <laughs> awesome for me. It's
1: it's actually it's you know what it should be is it should just be object porn. It should be like <laughs> the
0: purple crayon nailing the red balloon. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> While the yellow kid watches and masturbates. <laughs> um. You remember the
1: the man in the yellow hat from
0: Curious George.
1: Oh wow, was that
0: was that his name? I thought so. is that the the guy's uh that's George's mm-hmm. owner, right? Yeah. I always want to think that it's Dave. That's Alvin in the chipmunk.
1: It's Alvin in the chipmunk. <laughs> what if the man in the yellow hat were a flasher? I
0: mean like all he's wearing is what a it, yellow hat. Yeah, or a yellow raincoat and like, like the one, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, what, one strategically placed yellow hat.
1: You know, we did have a plan when we start when I pressed the record button.
0: It's it's cool, man. Best laid plans of mice and anthropomorphized monkeys. Yeah. So that, so um so you're new to the yes. blog and I am. uh I've not actually done much for the blog, but I have many uh, ideas of varying merit.
1: I actually – to be honest, ever since we put up the Hillary video, I haven't been into the back end of the blog. So there could be like half a dozen posts waiting in the hopper
0: to – sh- Yes, I'm sure it's a technical problem and not my abject laziness.
1: No, no, no. It's the – I mean I haven't been – even if you had written 50 uh-huh. things, I wouldn't have published them yet. We were trying to get traction with, with the video – uh, apparently podcast, not a great way to get listeners and apparently viral <laughs> video, not a great way to, <laughs> though, you know, I don't know the, um, I'm referring I'm, to, to candidate in the wind, you which know. is wonderful,
0: by the way, really fantastic.
1: Thank you. I mean, well, you had a hand in it also.
0: I, I had a very minuscule, I mean, I sort of looked over things and said, yep, that's good. I didn't really have anything good to say about it. Like, like no, nothing of mine, I think ended up in there. Um, but uh, that's, I, well, that's that's a,
1: that's the thing when like eight guys try to write something on a Google Doc, you know? Right.
0: I, I will say this: I did my best to show it to enough people in the greater Boston area that I, I could conceivably have eventually gotten arrested, which is the best way to actually get viral marketing.
1: Where now. are we? We're at about thirty-six
0: hundred views. I mean, and that's not—that's um... nothing to, to shake a stick at. I mean, that's that's pretty good. Or is that something to she- I forget how that saying goes. That's good, I think.
1: Yeah, but I mean I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like five or six figures for uh you know, for a video that really does catch on I
0: don't know. Yeah. I mean, let's face facts. There's very little that you're ever going to do in the topic of politics that will that will even reach the numbers you get from having a moderately busty woman uh dance in front of her webcam for 30 seconds.
1: I like I like it especially when she's scantily clad.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. But honestly, she could be wearing uh like a parka and people would be like, "Well, I bet she's busty underneath that parka." Yeah, You're five like, stars, what the oh, hell. Oh, yeah.
1: Look, okay, so webcam dance, webcam girl dance sexy.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm not. uh, Now I I have
1: to log in. I have to log in. I can't log in. Yeah, no, I'm on the tubes. All Uh, right. Webcam Girl. This is a video. The title is uh, Webcam Girl. And uh,
0: 2,700,000 views. That's, yeah, and as far, like, from the title, you don't know that it's not, like, a little girl doll fashioned out of a webcam. Right. It could be anything involving a webcam and a girl.
1: Though you get it? Oh wow! No, she's dancing in front of the webcam. But wait, no, another girl has come in the door. I hope th- I hope they wrestle in an erotic fashion.
0: <laughs> I, I hope they they discuss various ways of paying for pizzas when they're oh, lacking cash. Oh, you know
1: what this is? This is a uh... Was oh, this Lonely Girl nineteen? No, this isn't. It's. I think it's a comedy sketch. I'm watching it with the sound off because we're talking. Oh, and look, two more girls. It's a comedy sketch, and more and more it um, becomes like a clown car. More and more girls come in. Well, damn it! You search what's... for webcam girl on YouTube. You want? Uh... Oh, and then a guy, then a guy in really tight shorts comes in. Oh. We well, see now. All right, now
0: I gotta go see. I gotta.
1: Oh, oh this is funny. This is funny. <laughs> I like this a lot.
0: <laughs> this is, Actually, I, I I'm the favorite. This. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know what's eerie about this, man, is that the conversation you and I are having right now is exactly the same conversation that was going on on today's edition of A uh, Fresh Air with Terry Gross.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're just they're watching YouTube videos of girls. <laughs> anyway, um, so uh, there's my little shout out for all the Fresh Air with uh, with Terry Gross fan fiction writers out there. I think there is Terry Gross fan fiction. I wonder what's in it. I, I really hope so. There's, there's this rule from um, uh, XKCD mentions this at one point. I always get the number wrong. It's like Rule Thirty Four of the Internet. Have you heard about this? No. Uh, you know, we should go research the real number. This would actually be, this would be ripe for discussion on the site. But it's like, uh, it, you know, if it exists, if something exists, then there's internet pornography about it. No exceptions.
1: Have you ever and heard like Godwin's they, Law? Godwin's Law came up in the... Uh... Yeah, God, Godwin's Law
0: is great. It's, I think they're a very similar philosophical ilk. It's sort of like trying to deconstruct what goes on in, in the Internet milieu. Um, but, like, I, like, the Rule 34 or whatever it is I love because there are two interpretations of the no exceptions. Like, one is that the Internet is already so replete with stuff that all you really need to do is look hard enough and you will find something, you know, it, it, like... Uh, Ice cream cone ventilator repairman porn, or or um, you know cats doing calculus porn, like that sort of stuff. You know, you just have to look hard enough. If you can't find it, then it's out there because Rule Thirty Four says if it exists, there's porn about it. There is internet, all. yeah. There's porn about it on the internet. Did you see yeah. the south But, but, but the, the other the other caveat to that is that, or the other interpretation of the caveat, no exceptions, is that if you can't find it then you are legally obligated to make porn about it and put it on the internet.
1: Right, or ethically, ethically obligated. Yeah, that's right,
0: that's right. Yeah, if you consider yourself a denizen of the uh, internet-verse, then then you need to do it.
1: Wow, I've actually, I've just gone down totally a rat hole, like clicking on as many Webcam Girl videos on YouTube as I can. (laughs) Uh, It's cool, man. (laughs) Did you see South Park this week where the internet everyone loses internet access yes, and like yes. the country shuts down and that um, stans dad right has to <laughs> he's and actually the internet <laughs> point that he's looking for it's a couple things are are named specifically but it's uh japanese girls vomiting into each other's mouth
0: <laughs> yeah i actually i on a lark disabled safe search and went and looked for all of the uh, all the things that he was looking for on a google search just out of sheer curiosity. Google is a pervert's paradise. God damn it, I love Google. <laughs> this, is, this is another thing I've thought of for a long time is that if you look back throughout uh, a particularly 20th century literature, there are a lot of people who portend this sort of dystopian future, this Orwellian nightmare where everyone's individual liberties have been completely usurped and, and, and taken over. Often by some sort of like monolithic force or corporation and like i always thought this would be a very fearful thing like like there's a possibility it could happen certainly certain governments have experimented with uh, with attempts at doing this and they've all been you know relative failures but um but I never thought that I would be, like, so excited about it. Like, every time i learn that Google is, like, taking over some other aspect of my life, I'm like, cool, I like Google. I, I have I'm the will, same I have the reaction.
1: And there's no, other, there's no other corporation, not even Apple, who, which I have very good feelings about, right? Like, not even Apple yeah, would yeah. I give them that much information. But Google, it's like, you want to know – oh, I, I experimented with Grand Central, right? You want to know, like, who's calling me at all hours of the day and night, right? Sure, yeah, You cool. want to know all my contacts? Max, you want to know all the RSS feeds I read? You want to know – I trust you, Sergey. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Sergey. He's so – you know, he wears a T-shirt everywhere, you know? Yeah,
0: come on. How and can you not trust that guy?
1: Birkenstocks. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's something about Russians. They're intrinsically trustworthy. That, that's... Yeah, as all of film literature would tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So we had a version of five oh, yeah, questions yeah, yeah. for you. Yeah, we should actually – okay, podcast starts now. We're not, gonna, we're not. We're not going to leave any of that other stuff in. Oh. We'll take it all okay, out in I, I post. Did my sassy girl impression. <laughs> do the hump. Do the hump now. <laughs> mm hmm. Do the hunch. Up, oh no, the girlfriend? hunch. Do the hunch. <laughs>
0: do the hunch. I'm um, trying to get. I'm trying to get my Turkish girlfriend to refer to all of her female friends as sister girlfriend. Just because everyone involved finds that really amusing coming yeah. out of a little Turkish girl. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> oh my goodness!
1: Hey, you wanna you wanna say anything to our Turkish
0: listeners? <laughs> oh yeah, merhabalar, <laughs> arkadaşlarım. Uh, yani, uh, çoğu duclarından bile, yani, uh, halinde bizim es benzerine medikalarda güvenmelisiniz. So despite what you've heard, uh, at least the Americans that resemble us, you should trust.
1: Um. I I can't believe like that is that is extreme like I have bought roses for a girl before but to learn her native language, is I think that's like that's above and beyond the call. Dave. Oh, thanks a lot, man. No, Thank you. Uh, no, it's not a compliment. I think you're making the rest of us look bad. <laughs> you know, the thing is, like, I think it's actually kind of a dick move on your part.
0: <laughs> you know, because you I raised a... the bar. <laughs> I was at a party on Friday night um, where one of uh-huh. one of our. Tur- Tell me one, of our one. Turkish, one of our Turkish friends had graduated, just got his PhD, and like all of his friends were Turkish. And uh, and whenever I go to one of these parties, um, I'm I'm kind of like a sideshow there. I'm like the amazing Turkish-speaking American. And was like, Jew, Jew, no less. Yeah, exactly. I'm a heap. Uh, that alone should be enough. Um, but uh, what like most of the people there were Turkish. I'd say ninety percent of the guys there, girls there, were Turks. And then there was this one guy that's looking at me really sorrowfully from across the room for the entirety of the party. I knew exactly what it was. And I kind of sidle up later, uh, you know, after the sort of furor has died down. I'm like, yo, what's up, man? He's like, yeah, so now my girlfriend's pissed that I'm not learning Turkish.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You're the guy that's making it impossible for the rest of us, you know? I'm
0: telling you, I'm t- the easy out here is regardless of your girlfriend's native tongue, you should learn Turkish. You <laughs> like want me to learn Turkish for you? I will do that. Yeah. It's a very cool
1: language. I I guess yeah. As they go, where does it fall in the you know family of languages?
0: It it is not even um, it's not even Indo-European. It's uh it's Altaic, or it's a Central Altaic, something like that. But like the only existing languages that are even remotely related to it are very very close cousins of Turkish, like Turkmenistan or or um, Azerbaijani, that sort of thing. It's it's like from it's from Mars. It is the craziest damn language ever. But it's wow. very cool.
1: Wow. Uh all right. We have five questions for you. To yes, introduce yes. you to the to the readership of the blog and the listenership of the podcast. Um Hello. the and these questions these questions establish your pop culture DNA, as it were. Right. <laughs>
0: Which is I, – I was very excited. When I first scanned through the email, I, I saw DNA there. I was like, oh, I could totally handle this. DNA? I'm all over DNA.
1: I'm all over DNA. Uh, you're in my heart, DNA. Oh. In fact, you're in every part of my body. That's true. Each cell has a new – You have, several, you have several thousand miles of it. Um, the, uh, I, you know, when I heard that as a child, I thought, I wonder if some weapon could be <laughs> – developed to make a person's dna all unravel at once bring out like... it would be like you know what it'd be like it would be like when you open the can of nuts and the snakes are in it and the snakes all <laughs> pop out except
0: microscopic and a million of them yeah yeah it's just like thousands of little needle punctures that, that that's great i was gonna go for um that like invariable uh, or uh, my vocabulary like that uh that moment we're all waiting for where Magneto just has enough of Wolverine. He just causes his, his metal skeleton to just rip out through his body. Yeah, just that's... Extruded out. Like, it's like, you know what? I'm done with this. That's gruesome. Yeah, that's... um, And that is the subject of my slash fiction. Right. <laughs> that's, that's foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I don't know what they do
1: in Turkey, but... Uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, Dave. Not, not Austria. Go ahead. Dave, what was the first record album you bought with your own money? Do you still listen to the music?
0: All right. So there are actually – there are two – there are three albums that qualify for this because one I bought by catalog. you remember when you used to get like CD catalogs in the mail? I do. I do. Yeah. I joined joined a book one once because I'm a nerd. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I, I still kind of wish those were. I'm sure they still are around, but I'm sure we're about 40 years younger than the average purchaser that they've got there. Um, the first album I ever bought with my own money, which at that point was like allowance money, so technically my parents' money. Right,
1: but you know uh-huh. they give it to you; it's yours. You know.
0: It's still I could I could have blown it on a whore, but it's it's I,
1: discretionary. You you had the power to direct the spending of
0: that money. That's right. That's yeah. absolutely right. It was my slush fund. Um, I I purchased uh, Jimi Hendrix's Electric Ladyland.
1: That's so much cooler than mine. Yeah,
0: I, what was yours?
1: <laughs> Depeche Mode.
0: Oh no! Come on, man. Depeche Mode's awesome.
1: <laughs> Songs of Faith and De- Devotion <laughs> by Depeche Mode, which is which has a black. It has black. You know, um C D inserts, C D booklet <laughs> with um with like dark purple writing on it. It's really you
0: impossible should, to read. You, you should you should get a t shirt that it's like black with black writing on it that says, I was emo before it was sad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh that's funny. Oh that should go on the, the website's yeah, t shirt we're, we're selling
0: that starting tomorrow. <laughs> uh <laughs> well I it's was... the thing is like thing is, I mean it's both I think it might be cooler than yours, but it's also kind of lamer than yours. Like I went to this summer camp. This is actually where I first met blinky And um when I was when we were tiny. Wow. Uh, it was this like creative arts camp and um and I fell in with a bunch of guitarists and uh, and these kids are they're pretty cool, but they're like your sort of classic I, I didn't know the guitarist archetype yet and so this is all new to me. And I was like, wow, he doesn't really care about anything. All he yeah. does is guitar all day and girls really like him for some reason. I don't know what that is. Um And uh, and they were all huge Hendrix fans, and so somebody had given me "Are You Experienced" as a um, as a a gift. That was his first studio album, and I loved it. It It was awesome. And so Electric Ladyland was like in this catalog that, that showed up, and I was like, "Oh, I got to get some more Hendrix. I got to listen to this stuff." And it, it's a much more complex album. It's a really subtle album, and it's also really funky, which I wasn't ready for. None of that I was ready for. And so I remember like buying it, and the only song I could really listen to it uh, to on it was uh, was Crosstown Traffic, which is like two minutes long, and it has a kazoo part, and I thought that was pretty cool. And so, like, I did buy a really cool first album, and then, um, and then didn't appreciate it at all for like ten years. Yeah, right.
1: Isn't that so always I... the way, though? I really haven't grasped the nuances of Depeche Mode until,
0: <laughs> 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 oh, until man. just recently. That's, as soon as you bought your first skinny jeans, you're like, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I get with the tapered leg, with the leg that tapers down to the <laughs>
0: point. This is, this is music to listen to when your balls are being crushed by denim and you can see your socks. Oh, can man. see your socks. I've had some bad tight jeans experiences.
1: What was the second album?
0: Okay. The second album um, – was I got them for my birthday? My dad took me to like the record store, and these were actually CDs. These are all CDs. So this will sort of date things for people. Yeah, mine too. Nobody's... Mine too were CDs. Yeah. 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 So even we are too young for tape. I think. Uh, although I, I had a lot of tapes. But I like... had
1: tapes too, but they they weren't among my first music purchases.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So uh, I was sort of scorned by the Electric Ladyland thing. And that was his third and last studio album. And I thought, oh, maybe the second studio album will be good. Uh, and it actually it really is good. It ended up being and still is one of my favorite albums. So I bought the Jimi Hendrix uh, Axis Boldest Love album, um, which is wildly underappreciated. It's very, very good. Cool. Um, but then I was getting all these weird looks from, like, all the other kids my age. I was, like, 13. Um, and, like, you know, no one gives a shit about Hendrix in – in 1991, uh, when you're 13, and so to sort of cover my tracks, I you bought, also picked up like them. blind melon or something. Yeah, that's right. Well, no, no, even worse than that, I picked up the Spin Doctors' pocket full of kryptonite. Two princes
1: here before you.
0: Just it wasn't just go ahead now. <laughs> that's, <laughs> what up, I said now. <laughs> that's what I said now. That's what I said now. But you know what? I actually still listen to that album every now and then. There's okay. some great tunes on that album. So, so the music, the actually
1: cool music, you don't listen to anymore. But the uh, every now and then, yeah, every Probably,
0: now and then actually, you'll pop in Hendrix. The thing is, like, I, I'll 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 listen to Hendrix. Relatively frequently Because I feel like I could listen to Hendrix In front of almost anybody And not feel ashamed But I have to know That the entirety of the world Has gone out On some kind of Bank holiday In order for me To put on uh, uh, Two princes In order for me To put on Spin Doctors Right
1: Yeah they're all out. They're all out. There's, like, free Shakespeare on the Common or something.
0: That's right. right. Yeah, I yeah. Or, or, like, Cam Girl is doing a live appearance. Kind of <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that would somehow take magic away. Like, she, she does it behind a
1: giant screen.
0: You know, I feel like giant... the, the
1: Cam, like, you're right up there in her junk, you know what I mean? And that's, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's what makes it so special, is the it's... personal touch.
0: And when I see
1: the seven million other views, it's the personal touch. That's the personal
0: touch. You really made a connection with her. No (laughs) doubt. All right, Dave,
1: what TV show – what TV show's cancellation did you mourn more than any other? And what does it say about America that that uh, show is no
0: longer on? Wow. Yeah. Okay. So um, the easy answer we, we,
1: is arrested development.
0: If you the want to be cool, easy answer is arrested development. And arrested development, oddly enough, doesn't fall under this model. But my typical problem is that I never know that a show is. Maybe I represent the American problem. Um, it, is that I never know that a show is good until I hear the hype that it's going off the air and it's really good too. So I always have to sort of very quickly backpedal and get into it. And then watch it die and then get really sad about that. Yeah. I, I'm like the kid that comes in for act four of the heartfelt family movie and like – and meets grandpa and like the two of them clearly have a bond and then grandpa dies at the end of act four and this kid is really sad. And the family looks at him like, who are you, kid? This is our fucking grandpa. It's like
1: why would you do that? that why would you get in get in a situation where you know like only bad feelings get – like why would you watch Wit? <laughs> You know? Why would I watch Wit? Why would you watch the HBO, you know, movie and yeah, no. play Wit? Which is just like, it's like a snuff film, you know? It's a it? cancer <laughs> snuff
0: film. It, well, because I enjoy the thought of watching Emma Thompson die of cancer. She's the worst part of Kenneth Branagh. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> again, these are all just for you, Matt. You're the only one I know who would love that joke. Uh, I watched Wit because I heard someone really complaining that on Broadway it was W semicolon T, but for uh, HBO it was W I T,
1: and that was enough.
0: That was enough. I was like, I got to see what this douchebag is railing about. It's brilliantly written, and it That's, uh, it's, it's an amazing movie.
1: Premiered it, the play premiered at my uh, in the regions at my um, former employer, I mean my internship employer, right, uh, right. Longworth Theater before it transferred to New York. Nice. Yeah. It's,
0: it's, uh, I'll say it's they, also,
1: let me tell you, they are right in that wave for all it's worth. <laughs> no other Pulitzer Prizes since then. But, no, you know. Well
0: but uh yeah. Yeah, they can't all be golden. Well,
1: <laughs> I guess not. Some I, of I feel them. like
0: that, that movie also uh falls into a very odd subcategory that I think Pete Fenzel we shouldn't really discuss it at length until we have Fenzel with us or Blinky, which is Movies that are much better than they should be, considering that they have Christopher Lloyd in them.
1: <laughs> Great Scott!
0: You're dying of cancer, Marty.
1: So, uh, full, dose? <laughs> yeah, 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 full dose. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's that's but it's awful. True. I some... feel we should talk smack though about <laughs> about Blinky and Fenzel and Stokes because uh, they're not if...
0: here. If we try and give shit to Blinky, he's going to pull the whole I have a child thing, and we're we're going to be powerless against that.
1: He does have a child. It's true. He does.
0: He could be doing anything tonight, but he's going to be like,
1: oh, you know, Oliver. I was with Oliver. And in true overthinking and fashion, maybe I shouldn't be revealing this because it's personal, but uh, (laughs) you know what Matt has done for his child? He has created a compilation DVD of his favorite musical numbers from movie musicals throughout American (laughs) film history. (laughs) And he and Oliver, <laughs> when they watch television together, Matt puts in the DVD and is like, you know, OK, Oliver, what do you want? You know, you want Mary Poppins? You want Spoonful of Sugar? You want Penguins dancing? You want hey, – You got to go for Penguins. You want uh, – that's a great – yeah, the whole cartoon penguin yeah, that, thing is – that's a great number. the movie
0: much better than it should be considering that it has Dick Van Dyke in it.
1: He uh, – yeah, ah, oh, Dick Van Dyke. He was actually no, he's so he's bad. pretty good. He's, he's yeah, pretty,
0: and he Christopher plays, Lloyd is actually really good too. He's plays, just campy. Yeah, he is. He was a great Uncle Fester. You know, that's, yeah, it's solid Uncle Fester. He's uh, he's he's a good whatever that guy's name was in Taxi. <laughs> right.
1: Um. Yeah. So you know, they want you want to watch Oliver and Company. Yeah, Oliver. Oh. Oliver and Company. No, there's no good
0: song in oh. Oliver and
1: Company. I'm, Why I'm should I worry? Yeah, there is. It right. Billy Joel sings it. The dog Billy Joel sings it to Oliver as they're
0: walking down the street. That's All right. Well, all right, you sold me on that cuz I'm from Long Island and we're required by law to love Billy Joel, right? <laughs> Against much much a grin. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um so, no TV oh, oh, sure. show? No TV show? I mean, the easy way is to go Arrested Development or Firefly. But I only ever saw those on DVD.
0: Yeah, I, I ended up, I think I only saw Firefly on DVD. Yeah. And, uh, okay. and, and, you know, I have to say, I remember really mourning the death of Angel. I'm sure, like, the three other people who've ever watched Angel out there, they're, they're totally with me on Was this. Was
1: Angel canceled, canceled, or had it sort of run its course?
0: It had, if memory serves, it had four seasons, so it wasn't, you know, oh, it wasn't it. snuffed out quickly in the midst of the night. But I think what had happened is uh, Joss Whedon had, had been given Firefly like midway through season three or something. And by the time Angel ended his course, Firefly had also already um, ended its course as well. Um, but like, you know, Whedon had been away from it long enough that things had, had begun kind of like sort of treading water for a little bit. Yeah. But but then what really happened, which was totally amazing, was that I, I think they knew that the the fourth season or whatever season was the final season would be their last relatively early in the game. And they knew that they had, um, you know, a whole season to basically do whatever the hell they want. And so they just, they ran totally wild with it. And it was, but they did it in a, in a very sensible way. It wasn't just like Angel became Shark Jumper 2021. You know, it was, uh, they had an episode where Angel was transformed into a puppet. Like a, like a Muppet-style puppet. Um, and for some reason, this actually made sense within the context of, of the plotline. line. All and those like,
1: crazy ideas make sense in Joss Whedon shows. It's incredible. The man is yeah. a gift.
0: He's so good. Probably the best episode of Angel as far as I'm concerned – I've now seen pretty much all of them – was one called like, uh, The Cautionary Tale of Numero Cinco. Like for the entirety of the season, there'd be frequent shots in the background, sometimes like a, like a dolly shot trailing behind one of the mail clerks that worked in this law office that he'd inherited. And the guy was, was dressed in a business suit, except he had a, um, he had a, a Mexican luchador uh, uh, cap on, you know, the, the, the free-form Mexican wrestlers.
1: The mask. Yeah, the mask. Yeah, he had, the yeah, mask he had on. that
0: mask on. Uh, and it had a giant five on the back of his skull. And uh, and it was just sort of like you know a weird visual gag for all of the season until like four or five episodes before the end, where it was like his backstory, and it was it was amazing. It was like heartrending and had some of the most absurd shit I've ever seen on TV. Uh, it was amazing. It was very very good. Wow. So I mourned Angel. Again, does it say
1: does it say anything about America that Angel couldn't really find
0: its uh, couldn't really you know survive? yeah I think America is too attached to to labels I, I think I think our generation is the maybe not our generation now maybe 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 the recent political race is changing this to a certain degree but um or at least i 'd like to hope so but i think we 're the we 're kind of people who judge books by their covers or or specifically judge books by their cover art right i, you know, know, I, like, I know i do i yeah, used to sure.
1: I used to go through the Barnes and noble and find a couple good you know paperbacks
0: with interesting pictures on the cover. I bet that's a really sweet gig now I bet, you know, not since, like, the heyday of, um, of, uh, of what's his name, Boris, the fantasy painter who did all the Conan stuff Um, not since, like, his heyday has, like, been, uh, like, being a novel cover art artist been so awesome <laughs> Cause, like, that's, it's up to you now, like, you will sell this book No, no number of interviews or book signings will sell a book nearly as well as, like, a really flashy cover so I think that's what it says about America. Uh-huh. Everyone's yeah. like, "Oh, this is this is a Buffy spin-off. It's not going to have anything original. It's just going to be, you know, treading water with characters. But it had its
1: own it had its uh, it really had its own um uh mythology, its own style, its own everything, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I think what I think something to be said about it, um which is very impressive in its own right, is that I mean, it, it was a Buffy spin-off. It it, it took Almost nothing but characters from the Buffy Universe in the first half of the first season. there's one major character who wasn't from Buffy, and that was basically it and um but nonetheless, by the time it really reached its stride, um I could comfortably say that like the episodes where where Sarah Michelle Geller makes an appearance, the Buffy episode tie-ins are like the worst of the angel series that's really it's at its best when it completely disregards its history and just just establishes itself,
1: yeah, sure, so yeah, I believe it. All right. What was the next question that we had? Oh, the next you? question is: uh,
0: What video game are uh, are you slash were you best at? And oh, what was yeah. your greatest achievement? Uh, why are you more proud of this achievement than any other? Wow. Yeah. You know what's funny is I really, I really love video games, and I like follow video game blogs, and I actually watch G Four TV, which is where you'd find Morgan Webb if you're that interested in odd things I've said recently. Um, but I don't play them that often. I'm just, like, fascinated by the moving colored light box. Yeah. Um, so I think one of, like, the most fun I've had playing a video game recently uh, was playing one of the Adult Swim uh, video games that they put on one of these, like, Flash-based games. You're a uh, casual gamer. Yeah, I, I guess so. I, the only gaming that I do hardcore is, like, role-playing games, uh, but not the multiplayer online things, because I fear what would happen to me if I ever went down that path. It's a dark path. Um, which would actually be a great name for a multiplayer online video game, Dark Path. Right. Um, yeah, so I'm, I was, like, a big Final Fantasy player. I was a big Fantasy Star player back in the day, which is for the kids who thought they were too cool to be into a Final Fantasy.
1: Yeah, I would have to go back to, to like, a video game that I played. I would have to go back to, uh, like, Zork or something, because I am oh, not... Or Zork like is so good. 8-bit <laughs> Nintendo or something, because I, I am not a video game guy.
0: Yeah, I... I... I'm kind of... I, I love them. I think part of it is that I love them so much that I want to devote real time to them, and I never have real time for them. I always end up, like, having to substitute my sleep for video game time, and yeah. that's just sad for me. So I was recently way into um, Final Fantasy Twelve, and, and I'm one of these, like, completers. I, like, get the big guidebook, and it tells you all the different things that you can unlock, and, and I do my best to, like, just find out what can be unlocked and then try and unlock them on my own, but I feel, like, bad about myself if I can't do them all. Um... 'Cause that's how sad I am inside. Yeah. But I I gotta tell you this if this adult swim game is still up, you have to go play it because it's freaking awesome. It's about it's about Caligula. And uh Caligula basically decides that um that Rome needs to be unified, that, that like the politics have fractured too much. And he decides that the only way to unify Rome is in um in violent upsurge against him. And so the game is like you play Emperor Caligula, and you go and destroy every citizen you can find. You just murder them brutally. Uh, and you can unlock up to 23 weapons, including your nudity. You just flash people and the side of your nudity, causes them to shriek and die. Uh, and I'm very excited about this because I've just purchased a microphone for the Overthinking It podcast. <laughs> and if you scream into a microphone while playing the game, <laughs> your character is given extra power. <laughs> Greatest thing in the history of video gaming I'll go down and say that uh, maybe not Maybe 8-bit Nintendo is slightly better But this is so very close uh, Anyway
1: wow. so that I, guess, I
0: guess I'm proud about buying this microphone So that I can scream Into the Caligula game And kill commoners even with greater efficiency Alright movies
1: now what I, Our way of asking you The favorite movie question was What movie will you
0: watch all the way through Anytime it's on TV yeah, uh, this is embarrassing for two reasons. One is that it it pretty much outs me as a girl, and two is that it outs me as like a secret Christian. Uh, but I gotta say, it's a wonderful life. Frank Capra's "It's a Wonderful Life." I cry every single time I watch it. It's a wonderful I, life. It's a wonderful life. Oh, Maria! It's it's Crash Mash. <laughs> it's, "It's It's Wonderful Life" is the reason why I honed my Jimmy Stewart impression. It's I can Crash Mash. Let's, let's go, go down, down. Let's go down to Tahiti where the hump hump girls are. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Oh, that's, uh, all right. For our listeners who don't know us or don't remember us back <laughs> in college, there was a running gag my senior year, which I guess was Matt's uh, sophomore year. Right. Um, that what we would do is film uh, or, or claim to be or pretend to be filming public service announcements given by Jimmy Stewart, the sort of the more you know. And his outline for all of them was, it's a wonderful life. That, that would be, you'd see like the shining poorly computer animated star and uh and that it's a wonderful <laughs> life uh but all of his public service announcements were horrible i mean just <laughs> amoral on a, on a level that's so base and foul that like it was it was like taking a shit on a crucifix i mean like to to so a base jimmy stewart the nea wonderful...
1: funded that i think
0: i think so yeah we could actually probably have gotten funding to do that live right we could, this, Which would actually bring us to the topic of what this podcast was supposed to be. Is, right. We'll podcast it. <laughs> what, what is art? Is is abortion art? It's but abortion. It was like, it was like oh, kids, I, I know you're uh, you're out there on the streets and you're, you're ass-raping midgets with crew boars. But remember, lubrication is a gentleman's handshake. It's a wonderful life. <laughs> you know, it's like, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Lubrication is a gentleman <laughs> God, we can throw that on a T-shirt too. <laughs> Lubrication is a gentleman's handshake, because <laughs> he's he's concerned about the midgets that are getting ass raped with crew oars. <laughs> oh, anyway, so there we go. So that that's uh, that that uh, I can watch. It's a wonderful life. Uh, it's it's not that Christian a movie, I guess. It doesn't so much out me cuz I don't really love the Jesus. It's a so
1: secular. Much. It's a secular uh Christmas movie, isn't it? It just yeah, it
0: happens to take place around Christmas.
1: No, yeah, I know what you always say about the Jesus. The best part of uh the best by, by part of Jesus. Him. <laughs> best <laughs> right. part of
0: killing Jesus was when he didn't come back.
1: Yeah. Yes, that's, <laughs> that's what you say.
0: That motherfucker stayed dead.
1: Oh, <laughs> okay. By, by the way,
0: have you have you seen the Zeitgeist movie? No. This will this will totally it it is uh, as far as I can tell the rantings of a completely insane person with a is lot it of a, money.
1: Is it a movie movie or is it like an internet
0: movie? It's both. It, you can actually every I forget what day it is. Uh, it might have recently passed. Actually, it's like April seventeenth or something. Every day they have National Zeitgeist Day, and you can actually find like little artsy theaters that will show it in a, in an actual movie theater. But it's mostly prevalent on the on the internet. If you do a Google search for Zeitgeist the movie, you'll you'll get their webpage. You can watch the whole thing for free right on their website. Cool. Um, and, like, the last two-thirds of it are just the rantings of a total lunatic. But the first third is basically just a film version of a of a summary of a book called The Jesus Myth, uh, and it will totally blow your mind. E- even if you don't believe it, um, and I don't really believe it even to a certain extent, it, it is truly awesome to see the sort of historical accountings of, um, of the Christ story, which are – I don't want to spoil it for anybody. We should all watch it and then blog about it because mm. it's ridiculous. So there go people watch the Zeitgeist movie, or watch the first third of the Zeitgeist movie, and then and then go get a popcorn.
1: We had uh, one final question for you, which sure, is yeah, related. Yeah. It's the why those so those those four questions are going to be asked of every new contributor to the blog, every sort of non-original member of the blog, just to sort of you know introduce you to 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 the people, and then we'll tailor one wildcard question to. Um, uh, will tail one wild card question to the particular individual, and yours has has to do with science since you are a scientician.
0: yeah i 'm a i 'm a professional scientist I actually might even soon become doctor scientist oh that's
1: that would be that would be what we 've all hoped and dreamed for so long <laughs>
0: <laughs> if not to have to just like not have to hear me bitching about grad school anymore <laughs> have you uh
1: yeah well are you are you over the are you over the hump are you past the median length of uh average doctorate at the oh yeah yeah massachusetts yeah. institute of technology
0: i think by the time i graduate from tech i'll have a good two and a half years over the the mean length so I, what, what 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 twists the knife for me um i
1: mean I, is I that, no you're smarter
0: that. than those guys that's gotta be it i <laughs> knew how to suck on the sweet teeth of government-financed grad work for two and a half years longer than everybody else and Loser. what are you
1: trying to do you're trying to dethrone god that's right Absolutely. Are you still Kill- trying to dethrone God, or did your did your uh, experiment change?
0: We're we're mostly keeping him off the throne now. He was he was dethroned. Have you read Richard Dawkins? Man? Oh right,
1: <laughs> yeah. God, I, I yeah. honestly, I, so I, when you're not, not playing not God or trying to dethrone him, and, and I, I do mean him,
0: absolutely <laughs> him. If I don't believe in God, but if I did, he'd be male. goddammit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, no, it, that's still the project. I, for for those who don't know, I work uh, I work on it's sort of a field called RNA catalysis. And the thought is that, uh, you know, RNA molecules that can catalyze reactions were sort of the first things that existed in sort of any kind of living system, that these are kind of the origins of life. And, uh, and moreover, one that's like really critical is the one that I work on. Um, so, yeah, I've basically, I basically, I can say I've, I've effectively figured out uh, a lot of neat things about it. It'll be published soon, let's hope.
1: <laughs> yeah. So what, the li- the lightning hits the soup and the RNA like catalyzes or something? Kinda and it just
0: it does its thing, yeah.
1: And then suddenly you have self replicating proteins.
0: Alright, not not to not to get on another long tangent. <laughs> but his, his holiness, the Dalai Lama, actually visited Whitehead, where I work, a couple of years back, I maybe mean, about four years ago at this point. And uh, Eric Lander, who is one of the guys who, who uh, sequenced the human genome, who works – at that point was working in Whitehead, um, was showing the Dalai Lama around and he's like uh, – we, we – by the way, we have like – 50 or 60 Tibetan nationals who work at Whitehead. I don't know how it happened, but um, they're all very, very cool people. Uh, So anyway, Eric Lander and this, like, cadre of Tibetans are showing His Holiness the Dalai Lama around, and he passes by our lab, and he's giving them the kind of rundown about what we do, and he's talking about, like, the origins of life and and how, you know, self-replicating RNA might have been the sort of basis for the first living systems, that once you have self-replicating RNA, you basically have very primitive life, and that everything evolves from that. And the Dalai Lama thinks about this for a couple of minutes. You know, I mean, he's he's a pretty good meditator. No matter what you might have heard, yeah. the, the dude can meditate. And uh, and he finally turns to Lander and he says, "Well, that's that's good, but where did the RNA come from?" Which is probably the most fundamental question in our field right now. <laughs> and so Eric's like, "Yeah, you know that all that really does is uh, is it pushes it back in another, you know, half after that, it's turtles, it's years. turtles all the way down, it's turtles all the way down." Yeah. yeah, so the Dalai Lama would would actually make a fantastic scientist.
1: So, dude, what is the most egregious misuse of pop of science Ugh. in popular culture?
0: That, Ugh. you know, why
1: is it worse than all others?
0: God, there's so many really bad ones. There's so many bad, like frequent ones that I can't come up with a good example of because they're so prevalent. Is there I'll, a I'll class use... is there a class of of uh misuse? Yeah, I, I, Okay, so, so there's one, one of the ones that really kind of irks me. I wouldn't call this I, – I do have an answer, like the most egregious misuse of science that I've ever seen, but I'll, I'll work up to that. But like things that don't move at the correct speed that they conceivably could pisses me the hell off. And I realize that this is supposed to be part of your um, – a, a part of your suspension of disbelief. But like if you're in a science fiction movie and people can fire laser guns at you – that laser is moving at the speed of light. It is by definition the fastest thing in the universe. Right. You can't, uh, unless jump, you, you can't jump out of the way. You can't see the laser beam coming and jump out of the way. Right. You know, if your ship is riding on the shockwave of an exploding star, your ship will be consumed by that exploding star. Uh-huh. I'm, no, matter, no matter how sweaty you are while you grip the controls of your ship and, and no matter how many times you mutter to it, come on, baby, I just need you to hold together one more time, one more time until we get to port – that will not hold your ship together. Your ship will, in fact, be consumed by a supernova. And, I'm and, sorry. You know,
1: and, yeah, torn apart by incredible gravitational forces. And, incredible
0: gra- – and incinerated in a nuclear furnace. Right. It will be, it'll be a quick death. Um, but you know, but You will die. You, you will probably die. won't notice it. Yeah. That's no, won't what even about, time What to... about the
1: explosion of, like, an alien ship, like in uh, Independence Day? Yeah, that – I can almost buy Independence Day because they get a good head start.
0: But there, they there are, are of...
1: the barrier of the explosion does the fiery barrier does consume them at one point, doesn't it?
0: Oh, that's true. It actually catches up and chars their hull. No,
1: it's not it's not the you know, the uh, it's not a supernova,
0: it's not a star. That's right. It's just yeah, a, yeah, yeah. you know it's but just this a I I guess this also happens a lot where people are trapped in air vents. It's a similar phenomenon where like you're you're on your uh, your hands and knees and you're like desperately sweatily trying to get through an air duct and something behind you is exploding. And you jump out of the air duct just in time to see, like, the flame. Like, the fl- you can, you know, in a long shot, you can actually see the flames behind the person who's, like, you know, running down through the air vent. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that flame will, will be attacking you, not at the speed of light, but much faster than you can crawl in all fours. Right. But, but it's this not like the ball.
1: It's not like the rolling ball in, uh, in Raiders of the Lost Ark.
0: Yeah, and, and actually, I mean, physics has proven that Indiana Jones can do things that – can pretty much do anything. So that that kind of trumps it. He could outrace a supernova. Right. Uh, just with uh, – unless he's got Steven Spielberg's wife handy. And, that, uh,
1: <laughs> any Harrison uh-huh.
0: Ford character. That's right. yeah. Uh, you so know, the christian, christian Bale can out can outrun a uh, a flame in the first batman movie for instance right. this happens the first one they use like an elevator to get out the of the
1: second first batman movie. movie and it's actually the third first batman movie cuz adam west true? adam west and Burke ward
0: oh yes
1: made a oh this movie's amazing future length. it involves it involves dehydrating the world leaders
0: that's absolutely right. right and they all become uh ethnically appropriate colors when they're dehydrated oh
1: pi- yeah piles of dust Ethnically That's right. appropriately colored dust. But and there's one from
0: like Siam who's yellow. <laughs> right. And they, uh, they're they
1: swept into dustpans and like – and, you know, stored in vials and then rehydrated.
0: That's right. And he accidentally mixes a couple of grains. And it, it's implied that he's actually ushered in a new era of diplomacy because now they've been given insight into how their their opposition thinks.
1: <laughs> I know a little part of me is in you right now.
0: That's true. That's true. Your, your Santorum is working its way uh, through
1: uh. <laughs> No, that's not what the Santorum is, and we're not going to go into what it's, the it's, Santorum
0: is. Oh, 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 I see. Yes, yes, of course. <laughs> we're going to keep
1: oh. our clean tag on iTunes.
0: <laughs> You've mentioned that, by the way, in every single podcast. <laughs> right. Hey, and I can tell that this says something very fundamental about your philosophy about this. <laughs> um, okay, what, one other uh, small thing that pisses me off in movies which also can be kind of grouped into the things being uh, faster than they really are, is when lightning strikes and thunderclaps are heard and seen simultaneously, mm-hmm. which happens all the time. And I, I didn't notice it until recently. It was actually brought up in a podcast I was listening to. But people, like, the next time you watch a movie and it has a rainy scene, I promise you, you will see, like, the illumination of lightning and the thunderclap will happen simultaneously. Which, like, six-year-old kids know is not the truth. But we all accept it. They can be. They can follow pretty fast on. They could. They could. But I. I guess the other interpretation of this is that, in movies, every single thunderstorm is happening directly overhead. Directly. Like all of the light. Yeah. All of the lightning strikes are happening like in the backyard right there. Yeah,
1: directly above the camera position. That's that's right. So. Is that is that the worst? You said no, there was one worst. There's the, there's a worst.
0: The worst thing is. Uh, is like false use of DNA. Uh, yeah, have, no,
1: this is see no good. I'm glad you got into this because this is uh, like, uh,
0: um, yeah, it it just hurts to think about. It's your I area mean, the, to sort of to sort of shoot my wad. The single most egregious and horrifying misuse of of science, and it's worse still because it was in the promo ad for the movie uh, was from uh, Mission to Mars, where they look at not even the sequence of DNA from which it might even be remotely possible maybe 50 years in the future for a person to sort of scan through the sequence of DNA and come up with the line that's eventually uttered. But they're not even looking at the sequence. What they're looking at is literally like a rotating three-dimensional model of about 10 bases of DNA, maybe 20 bases of DNA. It's like two turns of DNA. And uh, I think it's Gary Sinise utters the the historic line, that DNA looks human. (laughs) really because it actually uh it looks exactly like e coli dna it looks just like foot fungus dna to me but
1: dave i you know let me put this to you does it not look human
0: it it certainly looks like human dna but no more human than you know mushroom dna or <laughs> or great blue whale dna or woolly mammoth <laughs> dna like every dna molecule at that level looks identical to every other one. No matter where – it could be your semen. It could be my semen. (laughs) You know? It it sure is tasty, whatever it is. It's minty and fresh. (laughs) Um, Yeah, that's just – it's so horrible. What
1: about like like CSI? You know, I'm a devotee of the Law & Order Special Victims Unit. All right. uh, I like I like those shows. It says something I think profoundly disturbing about America that for a while that was the number one show in America. I think everyone really wants uh, wants the twelve year old cheerleader to get raped, <laughs> you know, and that's why you watch. That's you know. true.
0: It, it was the, it, It's the special
1: victims thing, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the sex. It's the semen victims unit. So it's, it's all. Not... <laughs> you know. It's all right. And there's like there's you know. So there's a you know, there's gonna be one episode
0: where someone is stabbed through the heart with frozen semen. Yeah. <laughs> Just, <laughs> that'd be amazing.
1: So use of DNA in it to to, you know, rule rule out or rule in
0: uh Oh oh yeah. I mean, no, DNA gets called all kinds of things that it's not. And, and it gets given it it gets given prop uh I mean that stuff I can almost I can almost abide by. The and they've CSI done the tests, they've
1: done the tests in the space of like twelve hours or something like
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. They do it in a reasonable period of time. I mean these days the kind of tests that you would do in a forensics lab could be done in, in even maybe two or three hours. Um, yeah, but isol- I think the backlog the I think
1: that realistically the backlog in in like, you know, the New York
0: police department. Well, but that, that's why you get the scene where, like, the, the grizzled cop has to go down to the lab and put the heat on our lovable but oft-unseen lab technician to, to do it. It's like, look, I need you to push this through. Look, I'm, I've already got enough work to work. No, I, this guy is going to be out on the streets if he can't. Anyway.
1: Who speaks for the victims if we don't? That's right. Uh, well, yeah, but Barbie it's like so. There's and then there's like oh, the mitochondrial DNA is identical, which means they had a common ancestor of some type or something like that. Or
0: well, they, you know. they mean they mean that it means they have the same mother. You don't get uh, pretty much any mitochondrial DNA from your dad unless something's really, really wrong. Yeah. Now that that stuff I can almost kind of abide by. It, it's when. And I guess a physicist would probably be able to point out a lot of examples of this from like Star Trek. But my problem is not so much when like science fiction in particular makes up stuff that's totally totally wrong, but they give it some sort of new name. I'm like, all right, fine. Like Battlestar Galactica, they do all sorts of crazy shit with science, and I'm totally fine with it because they're they're not they're not doing what I hate, which is when somebody's clearly gone to like a Wikipedia entry or has, like attended a third of a college lecture on on advanced physics. And then they just use that as a jumping point to just get it all completely wrong. Right. When they're like, "Wait, I can use Heisenberg's uncertainty principle to make a laser that'll cut through this monster." It's like, "No, you probably can't do that."
1: Yeah. What's um, and how do you use Heisenberg's uncertainty principle anyway?
0: I'm not sure. Exactly. I, I'm I I'm uncertain about that.
1: You could know you could know how to use Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, but, but not then, where. Yeah. Or <laughs> or when or you yeah. can uh hey, this is like
0: a this actually, is like Schrödinger's Catman my superhero Schrödinger's Catman who is who is only 50% killable
1: <laughs> if, if,
0: if you shot at him he'd quickly hide himself and then he enters into a state where he's both alive and dead with certain probabilities and no one will know unless they like look at him
1: do you know the joke about the topologist
0: I think so, but go
1: ahead. So there's a, a ferocious tiger in in the in the forest that's killing people, and so you know the village calls in a uh, a hunter to come uh, kill the tiger, and they can't. Yeah, the hunter can't. Uh, right. So next they call in a like a zoologist, and it's can you tag it with tranquilizer darts, or can you figure out where it is and incapacitate it somehow? And the zoologist is on the case for a week, but can't uh, find this this. Uh, tiger so uh as a last resort they call in a topologist who comes in on <laughs> that's, that, that's almost the punchline right there <laughs> as one does you know who <laughs> comes we in. we need a
0: topologist with,
1: uh, if i had a nickel for every time i've said that uh... you're pretty kinky though i mean let's, let's yeah well i mean i'd be rich if it were baby <laughs> we need a topologist <laughs> Um, So the topologist drives into the forest with a flatbed truck on which is a simple cage, and he drives the truck to the center of the forest, uh, climbs out of the the cab of the truck, gets in the cage, closes the door, and shouts, I've caught it.
0: (laughs) That's my topologist joke. That's a great topology joke. That, mm. I, I will dare say that's the finest apology joke I've ever You know,
1: heard. Dave, there's a whole other class of, like, misuse of science. Oh, yeah. Well, what, what I was saying about DNA, though, Heisenberg, is uh, – Well, I wanted to go with Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, but finish, oh, yeah, what go, you, go ahead. finish what you were saying, though.
0: Oh, it's that people get kind of um, – I guess what I was trying to say and not really doing a very good job of it is that people get kind of a rough idea of what a certain scientific principle is but don't really actually understand the real details of it. And they use the thing that they get wrong as sort of like the fundamental plot point of what goes on thereafter. Right. And it, it's just, it's so painful. And
1: You know creates... what, entropy is like that a lot of Oh, time. yeah, people,
0: pe- no one understands entropy. Uh, no one gets entropy right, and that saddens me because entropy is a really cool concept.
1: Do I, underst- do I understand entropy? Entropy is a measure of disorder within a system.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. Okay. Um, and, and it is truly, I mean, and people confuse it, or if people take upon the fact that it's randomness and uh, and use that, and that's true. It is a measure of randomness, but it's not like you can harvest things from the entropy uh, to, like, you know, I, I'm sure there's a mutant out there in the X-Men universe that can, like, use entropy to, to cause new events to occur that wouldn't have happened before. Like, suddenly they're all go-go dancers. Or, or maybe that was actually from the band movie that you made years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, um, entra-
1: yeah, entropy, randomness. Yeah, things just start,
0: like, flying around. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the whole point of entropy is that it's randomness that has – it's energy that has become completely unusable. Right. That you cannot harvest anything from it because it's become entropic. And like the, entropy is a measure of where you lie along that spectrum of usability to non-usability. Um, yeah, but the the DNA thing uh, is just like – people think that DNA can self-replicate itself. People think that like you can get DNA on you and suddenly you have new traits. Um, all sorts of other little things a small example something that doesn't like pit, that piss me off that much but it, um it's like the because oh, go ahead. if
1: that if that were true every girlfriend i've ever had would have yeah.
0: you know awesome hair
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> no oh. it, my hair is significantly less awesome since college i started losing it when i was
0: 24 you know Matt, i'm gonna say it's awesome but in a different way <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I, I reached peak hair at about <laughs> <laughs> the at, about the age of, at about the age of 20, <laughs> oh. I depleted more than half my reserves of hair.
0: <laughs> I feel, you ever wonder if you could just, like, grab onto the hair on the top of your head and pull really hard, and then the stuff in your back will kind of, like, slurp into the skin and the stuff I the I didn't – yeah, it's
1: not like I lost it. It's just that it migrated to other places. It's making
0: the long march.
1: I am an astonishingly hirsute man. <laughs> it no. is –
0: it, it is the trail of tears,
1: though <laughs> <laughs> not where it counts, apparently. Uh, um, uh, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle—that yeah, that, you know—oh well, that things that are like really precisely defined scientific concepts will be used in a general philosophical or spiritual way. Like, yeah. well, as Heisenberg's uncertainty principle tells us, there are things we just were not meant to know. Cannot know. Yeah. yeah. Well, and that's not, and it's not that, right? It's that there, there is a precisely calculable ratio between different kinds of information that you can have about a particle at at one
0: moment. Yeah. There. What's beautiful about Heisenberg's uncertainty principle is that it's it's actually provable through multiple different approaches of attack. That you can you can view, um, basically like any way you formulate a quantum system will require all sorts of different branches of mathematics, whatever one happens to be your favorite, the one that you pick to try and formulate the system in every type of system that you prove or that you use the Heisenberg uh, principle is totally true and totally provable. So like there's one way where you can, you can basically, if anybody out there knows matrix math (laughs) um, there's, you know, if you have two matrices a and B and you multiply them together, the product of a times B doesn't have to be equal to the product of B times a, And that's actually directly provable to to people who've spent maybe 20 minutes learning how to multiply matrices. It's to anyone
1: who's done high school algebra too.
0: Yeah, that's right. If you were in advanced math back in high school, then you learn that that, that matrices don't have multiplicative commutability. And if you try and use a sort of tensor matrix math to describe a quantum world – Those matrices will also not have commutability, and we call that the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. Like, it comes directly out of that. It comes out of the wave-particle duality. If you try and express a wave function as a sum of many other wave functions, then you find that you can't know momentum and position at the same time. It's like – it's this fundamental thing, just about knowability um, of two different things simultaneously.
1: Simulti- right, simultaneously. And, and isn't it a ratio? Like you can have a certain amount of information about one, and then a certain amount of information about the other.
0: Yeah, there's there's a sort of intrinsic error of the system, and that as the precision of measuring one goes up, then the error of the other goes up, and and as as the precision approaches one, the error of the other approaches infinity. infinity.
1: You went really. Um, so you th- went. You went really skypey? during that but you know don't don't say it again because it sounded really cool
0: (laughs) we should sample that for some techno (laughs) right exactly exactly yeah the better the better you know one the worse you know the other and and it's um and what's cool about it is that it's not um it's not like an artifact of the measuring equipment that you've used it's a matter of how you define these principles that Literally, as you become more knowingful of one thing, the very concept of the other thing ceases to carry any meaning. And so trying to measure it would also be meaningless.
1: Well, Dave, I think we're all glad we've gotten more knowingful of you
0: tonight. Oh, thank you. That was a fantastic segue.
1: Yeah, you like that.
0: Magnificent. Uh, that was magnificent. <laughs> that was rather magnificent. Oh, God. I'd rather not. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure you never get tired of this. I'm sure you've never heard jokes about your last name. No about my last name at all, right?
1: <laughs> well, uh here with David Shackner. Thank you for speaking tonight and introducing yourself to everyone. Be it,
0: true to light, and I hope to actually have more things on the blog
1: soon. This was actually this was actually really fun a really fun podcast.
0: You'd be a great uh channel. And if you're Rose.
1: listening to it, you enjoyed it.
0: You knew you loved it. You liked it. You, you like that, don't you? Yeah, I'm gonna Yeah uh-huh. <laughs> When's it get to be my turn? I'm gonna I'm gonna steal wholeheartedly from Futurama here and be like you listen to it, you can't unlisten to it
1: <laughs> Yeah, no, you can't unring that bell. No way. Uh nope. all right. Well with David Schechner, I am Matthew Rather. Thank you for listening to the overthinking dot com podcast. We will Thank return you. with a uh another
0: episode later on we, we might discuss something that's not me next
1: time <laughs> yeah something in the popular culture
0: all <laughs> oh right God, it's true it's true
1: over and out now that's a shitty ending what should the ending be
0: um uh i was never good at ending anything which is which is why my relationships have ended as badly as it, um To the douchebag mobile.